Welcome back to TC Take Care, the podcast, where we share stories and strategies supporting third culture kids in all walks of life all around the world. Today, I am going to share a conversation that I recently had with my friend, John Waltower, who is the creator, host, and producer of TCK Tales, the other TCK podcast who you should also listen to, by the way, because it's fantastic. Um, John and I wanted to get together to talk about setting anchor, just the concept of stability and home and belonging with third culture kids and what that means to us personally. Due to some technical issues, the audio turned out a little bit weird on my end, but it's still a great conversation and I got a lot out of it and I think you will too. Please remember to stay involved with the podcast on Facebook. Um, subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already on your favorite podcast listening device. And check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash tckcare, where you can support the podcast and get exclusive content. All right, here we go. Enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, no, it's great to great to be back. Setting Anchor, I like that as a title for what we're going to talk about. Um, yeah, a lot has kind of happened. Um, and so if you're listening to this before because this will be on both Stephen and I's podcast. My podcast is TCK Tales, the podcast. Uh, you should also check it out. Stephen's also been on it. It's a fantastic podcast, if I do say so myself. I mean, if you're listening to TCK-themed podcasts, you might as well listen to both. Yeah, I think we are, we are the market on TCK-themed podcasts at this point. So <laughs> just get the whole gambit. Just get all of them. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so a lot has happened. And so I haven't been updating my podcast as regularly as Steven has. Uh, but also I think that's partially because we're in two separate stages of life. Uh, but yeah, a lot has happened since uh, we last talked. So last time we talked, uh, I would, ju- I'd semi just started working at a local radio station here in town. I was about to graduate from Moody and, um, yeah, and I was just really like dealing with what it looks like to be living here back in my hometown, semi living with my parents and living and working to impact the the local community. And since then I have gotten married, I've moved away from my parents' house, and I have uh stopped working at that radio station job. And I started working at a school and uh, other things and like I'll be moving again and things like that so going back to like where I was at that time I was there was a lot of emotions and things that I was dealing with I was very excited I just moved back from Chicago and I knew I was going to be in Ohio for a little bit and I was re- kind of semi-excited about that about the lack of transition but still just kind of frustrated I think would be the right word and not sure what was happening next, what was gonna happen, because my fiance at the time was in nursing school and uh, I still had no idea what I guess I wanted to do with my life. I knew that I wasn't at a job that I loved and that I wanted to stay at for a while. I also knew there was a really good chance that me and my wife would not be staying in Mansfield for longer than, at that time, I was thinking uh, longer than a year from that, from last February, because she graduated in December. So it was basically like she was going to graduate in December, and she was going to get a job somewhere that wasn't Mansfield, and then we would move up or like do some sort of commuting thing. So also at that time, I was looking for apartments, and we were kind of deciding 
where to look based off of where she could be, but also that was semi-unknown. So there's just a lot of unknowns going on. And then add on to that, I was in a job that I didn't love and it wasn't really me. Uh, I got the job by, I interned at this radio station on programming side and I kept that up when I, over the winter when I got back, um, just to kind of keep in the game and I wasn't sure what was going to happen when I graduated and my goal was move back, get a full-time job in radio, wherever that would kind of be, and then figure it out from there. So I was like, this will be a great spot. I met the sales manager during Snowmageddon, if you remember that from like a while ago. Uh, I think Portland and Seattle got like the most snow they've had in a long time. Uh, we got an average amount of snow because it's the Midwest and we get a ton of snow all the time. Right. <laughs> new. It's yeah, winter. exactly. But as a result of Snowmageddon, all the radio station staff were required to come in to answer phone calls for all the closings and things like that. And that was when I met the sales manager and he essentially was like, hey, here's a cool glorified internship opportunity where you'd be an assistant with a, uh, another seller, train you for a year, then kind of set you free. So I did some praying and some thinking. I was like, oh, this sounds like a great opportunity. Talked with a radio mentor of mine. He was like, you really should know sales so you can learn everything. So I took the position. He was like, great. Uh, then I show up for my first day and he go, and I was like, cool. So who am I signed with? He's like, oh no, you're not assigned to anybody. Go make us money. Bye. Uh, oh my goodness. Talk yeah. about the deep end. Yeah. The person I started with uh, was the wife of the person who I was supposed to be assisting. And she had a ton more sales experience than I did. And he, it was just, oh, there was a lot of conflicting narratives coming from him. Exactly. There was a lot of, don't compare yourself. But then when he made his first sale, he goes, I expect your first sale by the end of the week when she made her first sale. Uh, and so it took me about a month. And then I was just basically every, so every week I'd have a performance review and every week I would just feel like dejected. Um, and it was just, I didn't really know what I was doing. I felt like what I was doing wasn't great. Uh, add on to that, like there were some semi-spiritual things involved. I was hired because I went to Bible school to work with the Christian station that they ran, but it was a Christian station run by primarily non-Christians. And you could tell they didn't really prioritize the station. And basically they hired me on because I could talk to pastors um, better than a non-Christian could who would generally be working with. And it's really hard to sell a station that you know people don't, that you can, it's easy to tell when people don't give a ton of, like it was really easy to tell that this was just a, oh, this type of station makes money in this market, therefore I will have the station. Not, we're gonna do ministry here kind of deal. So I worked at it for six months and I just, I just kind of got more and more depressed um, and sad. And I started looking at other jobs and things like that. And then I really like, something for me is when I really get sad, I've realized when I really get sad or depressed or um, uncertain about where I am, my first thing is like try and leave the country. <laughs> um, try and leave the country. So I also started looking at like missions organizations and like how can I can leave and things like that. And all the time I was like, yeah, but I'm about to be married and my wife is still in nursing school. <laughs> about to be married and there's like things that are like keeping me here. Uh, so then basically my six month review came 
And uh, the week before my six month review, my boss was like, so your numbers aren't great. There's a really good chance you could get fired. Do better in this next week. And then I had my six month review and he was, I didn't get fired, but he was like, try to do better by, we'll give you another month. If these things aren't meant then yeah, you, you could get fired. So at that point is when I really started looking at other jobs. Uh, and then uh, God kind of did a cool thing where I landed some really big accounts and I was actually on track to like be where I was supposed to be by the end of the month. Uh, and basically the narrative, I, and I w- it wasn't as a result of me working any harder. It was just things finally came through. But the narrative kept coming. It was like, you, this could have been you if you'd worked harder previously. This is a result of you working harder. And I knew it wasn't. And then my mother-in-law, uh, no, seeing how, how like, hard it was on me, uh, my future mother-in-law, uh, and I think Purity talked with her about it a little bit. She had an opening as an aide in her English, in her middle school English department. And so uh, I interviewed, I submitted a resume, interviewed for the job um, against someone who actually worked there previously. And so then I got offered that job. And then, so I, I interviewed the Friday before school started and they were like, can you start by Monday? And seeing how people had left the station before, I knew that even if I put in two weeks, I'd be gone by the end of that day because that's kind of the way the guy works. So I was like, yeah, I can start Monday. So I got the job Friday. I, over the weekend, drafted my resignation letter, turned it in, and uh, I was at work by 10 o'clock. I was at my new job by 10 o'clock. And like the difference was just like very much night and day. It was significantly better. I was talking to people. I felt like what I was doing mattered more. Um, It was just significantly better. Um, and purity could tell my mother-in-law could tell a lot of people could tell and it was just it was a good position it was a good job and it used a lot of my skills a little bit better and things like that uh so that so then so i've kind of been doing that and then uh my wife got a job in cleveland and so um basically she, she graduated in december then in january she got the job in cleveland and so we've been starting to move that direction for for that and her position is going to be she's going to be there for about five years so uh the idea so it's it's really nice for me to know where i'll be for a while um so that's overview of what's happened um and then go ahead yeah i was gonna say your whole story of um the job the sales job where you walked out of it and uh, transitioned to a new job and, you know, just the, the building, everything about the building stress and um, not feeling connected, not feeling the same energy from uh, your, uh, from your colleagues, um, then switching to a new job and feeling that instantaneous, like something has changed here. Yeah. Also yeah. like getting that, um, having that in from your mother-in-law, um, just all of it together. I feel like this is just a huge testimony to the importance of environmental factors. Truth. I mean, like there's, there's something to be said for like your internal, um, your internal serenity. And I think that like, sometimes that can transcend your environmental factors, but man, you know, sometimes like, I feel like maybe this is true for me. Maybe this is true for other people that I've spoken with that we get into this place of like, if I just like, if I'm just more tranquil, if I'm just more accepting, if I'm just more courageous, all this stuff. And I think that's, that's true to a certain extent, but 
part of the serenity prayer, right? Uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And here's the important part, courage to change the things I can. That's mm-hmm. the environmental factors part. And so it's really cool to hear you having the courage to take the change uh, that you needed um, and then kind of seeing the impact that has on your life. So just wanted yeah. to interrupt you to say, I thought that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. And even with that, like I tried like for that six month, like as it progressively got worse, I was also trying more like I, every day I would do like, like here are the positive things about my job. I'm like focus on the positive, not the negative. And I got more into running. My wife and I started, like we started training for a half, we started training for a marathon. I started working out more, doing all these, like eating better, trying to do all these things that like self-care. Yeah. Self-care to like make you better. But I would still like wake up and just not want to go to work or I would not want to go to bed because like, that would mean waking up and going to work. Um, mm. And I would like wait till the last possible minute to like leave because I just didn't want to. Um, and yeah, so that's full update. And then uh, give a sort of TCK testimony story kind of deal leading into the next aspect of it. So I think I talked a little bit last time about how um, growing up, after we moved back from Nigeria, my entire life goal was seen through the lens of what can get me back to Africa. Um, and as I've kind of been realizing that, something that popped up as something I wanted to do when I was maybe in junior high was go into law. Um, like junior high, elementary, like one of the first things, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, I want to be a lawyer. Uh, and it was weird because no, like no one in my immediate family was a lawyer. I have an aunt and I uncle who are lawyers, but I don't like, I didn't like know them super well as you don't know extended family when you live in another country. Um, I didn't know them super well. I like sort of knew my cousins, but it wasn't like they had like a huge influence on me. It was just like one day, I think literally she, I was talking with my aunt and she was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. And she's like, really? I'm a lawyer. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> That's kind of how it worked. Uh, so I entertained that, but then again, with that idea of like going overseas, I, at that time, I couldn't figure out how to like be a missionary and be a lawyer. So I was like, oh, that doesn't work then. Can't do that. And I immediately just kind of shoved it out of my mind, but it kind of just like stayed in the back there. And then sophomore year on an MK trip, I heard about international justice mission. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Then I was like, yeah, no, it's still, still too hard. <laughs> And by that point, I'd kind of discovered radio and I was like, this is an easier way to do this. This is better. Uh, But it was still this just the idea of being able to make like substantive change in the world, I think is what it was. Um, More so like the more I heard about the fact that like Nigeria was really a strong place for sex trafficking and crime and like all this stuff. And uh, just the more I heard about things, it was still kind of like, that still kind of like weighed on me a little bit. And so like things kind of changed as I went through college and things. And I thought about journalism, I kind of got into writing more and I was like, oh, I can make substantive change by like telling people about stuff and, you know, thus starting the podcast and getting into podcasting, and like telling people and informative and like investigative and like the power of story and yay, <laughs> all things that I still do believe in. But uh, yeah, it just, still kind of felt like just in the back of my mind I was always kind of like oh I guess I could always still go into law school you know and I did make the mistake of telling my when we were dating telling purity that and she was like oh it's possible he wants to be a lawyer 
great. And so she kind of like fostered that a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't say I made a mistake, but she talked about it a lot. She's like, why can't you? You still can. And like the idea of like, oh, I guess you don't need to have a pre-law degree. Any bachelor's of of arts works as a pre-law degree, just like any bachelor's of science works as a pre-med degree. Uh, I talked to my uncle and he didn't go back to, he didn't go to law school until he was 30. And so, and now he's the lawyer for the city, the, for the capital of Nebraska. So like, I was like, oh, I could go at any point, you know, we'll kind of figure this thing out. Uh, so that kind of gave me hope, but it was still kind of very much like a midlife, it'll be a midlife crisis level career change kind of deal. And then I got into the sales job and surprisingly the things that like I loved about the job were very lawyery things. Like I loved building proposals. I loved writing. I loved building a case. I didn't super love I did semi enjoy presenting it. It was the whole, walk, the whole, the thing I didn't like was like walking up being like, hi, I'm John, I wanna sell you advertising. That was the thing that I hated about it. It was the driving, it was that, it wasn't the uh, building a case. And I could give you tons of arguments for why you could do it and like creating like kick butt proposals. And so, and even like when I first built, up, built my, when I put my, gave, put together my first proposal and handed it to my boss who was training me, his first I was like, are you sure you didn't wanna go to law school? And like, uh, and like my first thought was thought about it. This seemed like my response was thought about it. This seemed like more fun, but this kind of like just sitting, was kind of sitting in the back of my mind a little bit. And I did more research into like what types of law and like how to work and read Bob Goff's book, Love Does. And um, he was a lawyer and did a lot of really cool missional stuff. Um, and in addition to that, just, uh, just growing frustration as, um being in an interracial marriage and like living in chicago and now working with primarily um lower income poor kids of color and like kids who like 90 percent of their parents are in jail and things like that and just kind of seeing the general inequality of our justice system and things like that all just kind of like it just seemed like a lot of my passions were kind of flowing towards that and so it was kind of cool once i gave myself the freedom to not have to necessarily be a missionary to follow my dreams was then it was like I think God needed me to do that before he then needed me then took me to like the place that I kind of wanted to be so now I'm kind of thinking international law or civil rights or access to justice kind of mentality and yeah one of the things one of the part of the reasons that uh other than purity getting a job in Cleveland that we kind of looked at Cleveland was they had a really solid like Case Western has a really solid civil rights program and international law program as is Cleveland State, which are two um, major colleges right around where Purity is working. So that's where I will be. That's my, I'm taking the year studying for the LSATs and then hopefully I'm gonna start law school. Um, June, August, fall of 2021. Uh, the reason I'm giving myself a year is because I was just, my, my mentality for grades during undergrad was like, I'm not going to grad school. I don't need grad school to be in radio. I'm not going to grad school. I can just learn what I learn and grades don't matter. And therefore my GPA, st while still good, is not law school good. So <laughs> I need to get a kick butt LSAT score. Uh, but yeah, so with me deciding law school in 2021, in 2021, that means that we will definitely be in Cleveland for a minimum of four years um, before then my wife goes back to grad school and she can go wherever. Uh, 
but also what that probably means is that we most likely will stay, I can very much foresee us staying in the Northeastern um, Northern Ohio area, probably for the rest of our lives. And just kind of, unless God drastically calls us somewhere else, which based on like what he's doing in her life, he could. Um, it's kind of interesting, like God's been working in my life a lot for this idea of like staying. And for her, he's been working in her life a lot for this idea of like, can you go? Because for her, because her, she has a whole different story, but her life has been very transitory. So like everything she's focused on is like staying and finding a specific place. Um, and a lot of that has seen like our views of homeownership and buying a house. Um, but that's, that's been interesting. But yeah, so it's just, and it's just really interesting how relieved and excited I am for the idea of not going anywhere for a while. And that's like the big thing that I guess I didn't expect was this idea of like, I'm just excited to be in a place and make relations and get involved with a church that I can be at for a while and um, get involved in a community and have a regular coffee shop and a regular place I can go and like, and that's just been the most frustrating thing about just this past six months is like not being able to be there yet and like still having to wait. And like right now I'm in a job and sort of coronavirus may change things, but in a job till the end of May. And so it's like not being able to like fully transition over there um, and start those roots, start setting up those roots just yet. Like she's already starting, like she has friends, she has some community over there already just because she's been working for the past two months and um yeah and not being able to fully transition so yeah uh i really and i've been thinking a lot about the idea of anchors and i really like the idea of like being able to set anchor in a specific place for a much longer um period of time Mm. you know when you were uh, when we're speaking about this earlier um, you had talked about how you guys were going to be moving and um, sort of setting anchor and possibly staying put for a while. And you said, I didn't expect the sigh of relief that I felt. Mm-hmm. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know like for me and my sisters and I have talked about this, just this idea of like, and to some extent, it's still this like idea of being somewhere permanently is still very scary to me. But at the same time, when she said, we'll be there for five years, I was just kind of like, cool, we'll probably be here forever. Great. I'm happy with that. Let's keep that. <laughs> what's, what, if you don't mind asking, what's scary about that? Uh, for me, like, and again, this all kind of rotates around, because this is kind of this period of life, this all kind of rotates around homeownership. I don't know, it just, it seems, it seems too permanent. Like, uh, and I think also partially because of the fact that uh, because of the fact that all through my missionary life, like my parents never owned a house. Um, they always rented partially because I don't think foreigners could own property in Nigeria. I'm not sure. I think that was part of it. Um, but they always rented and it was like, they made a big deal about when they bought their house. And like when my parents bought their house in Mansfield, they said, we are not moving for 30 years. That's what this means. This means we are here for a long time. This means roots. This means permanent. Um, and so for me, I've always interpreted 
Like if you buy a house, that means you're there forever. Like you're claiming the spot. This is my home. And I'm still like, I'm still very much in this place where I don't like, I want to do that, but also like don't want to do like that just seems really scary and really unnecessary. Um, and I'm still even, even in like my want and my like excitement for being there in Cle at Cleveland is still kind of like, well, it's five years and then we'll see, you know? Um, like I, ne I never like to say this is forever kind of deal. Even my favorites, even to some extent with the idea of like relationships and things, uh, the, have you seen the musical the last five years? No. Um, very good musical. It's two person cast. It chronicles a five-year relationship from inception to destruction and it goes into and it kind of meets at their their it meets in their wedding kind of deal and you kind of see it from both sides so the girl starts at the end and moves backwards and he starts at the beginning the guy starts at the beginning and moves forward and every song is like switching time periods and they kind of meet in the middle at their wedding and the proposal song is next 10 minutes it's called next 10 minutes and the basically the thing is like he's like could you just spend your life i mean forever is a long time so let's just spend our lives just give me the next 10 minutes. And then after that, if it goes well, we'll go another 10 minutes. And then we'll go another 10 minutes. And then we'll, we'll just keep doing that for forever. But like thinking about forever is too much of a, is, is too big. So we'll just, we'll just focus on 10. And if we have a good 10, we'll go another good 10. And there's something very beautiful about that. And I think it's partially because like, in my mind, it's like, we'll go 10 and then something could change. It could be neither of our fault, but something could change and then we won't have another 10. So let's just go 10. And let's go, and then if we're still both, both good, we'll go another 10. And then if we're still both good, we'll go another 10. And just even the idea of like where I'm at, like we'll go five years. And then if we still like it here, we'll go another five years. If we don't like it here, we'll go, we'll go, find, we'll go try something else. It'll be fine. Because you, it's just the idea of like, you never know who's gonna leave. You never know what's gonna happen. You never know where that comes from. You know, as you're talking about um, just the thought of uh, committing to one place, um, the thought of making a 30-year commitment, um, just that possibility, um, and the, the perhaps, perhaps it's fear, perhaps it's uncertainty of what that's going to look like and what happens when the opportunity comes to move and you can't because you're stuck in this spot and you're stuck exactly. tied to this house. Um, it almost, like, as I'm hearing you talk about these feelings, to me, it almost feels like claustrophobia mm -hmm. which i know it's not because it's not a it's not a, a tight space that you're stuck inside but it feels like that in my gut anyways yeah and i i kind of wonder if there's like if they've if they've got a name for a phobia of or um just the just the discomfort that comes with um, making um huge not 10 minute but like 10 decade you know <laughs> 10 10 year commitments to uh, being in a place or to um, being in a community to setting your anchors and um, knowing that they're going to get stuck there. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, yeah, it does feel a little bit like claustrophobia as well. Like I can definitely see the, like in the same way that people don't like be confined in a specific place. Um, yeah. I don't like, I don't like even goes into like my idea of like why I prefer anchors over roots because roots are super, super permanent. Whereas like an anchor it's permanent, but it's, like just even that like my language it's permanent but you can still pick it up and go somewhere else so maybe like roots are roots are permanent and anchors are stable 
but yeah. permanent in the sense that they can't be moved. That is all the time we have for the podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed this much of the conversation and hope you will join me again next week for the rest of it. Again, subscribe to the show. Leave me a five-star rating and review. I'd really appreciate it. And check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash TCKCare. I'll see you next week.